The Marcos dictatorship remains to be one of the most contested periods in our history. While there is overwhelming evidence pointing to the negative impact of the martial law regime in terms of its widespread human rights abuses, corruption, and the decadence that the first family and cronies enjoyed, there are still strong assertions about the period being a golden age. The final reckoning, in many ways, still hangs in the balance. History, being the arbiter, continues to be an embattled terrain. The clues that could shed light on the persistence of debates could be traced back to the period of martial law itself. Cunning as he was, Ferdinand Marcos knew of the power of history, and he sought to wield it. In this episode of Contested Philippine Histories, let's talk about the historical project of Marcos and ask, what's that history book called Tadhana? I am Aaron Maliari. I am Lee Candelaria. I am Bekal Porha. And this is Podcast, Conversations in Philippine History, Politics, and Society. Magandang araw. How are we today? Ito na nga. Matatapos na naman ang July. We have one more week. Oh nga, no? It's like the days are long, but the weeks are short. Yes. No, so anyway, today we have another very important and as mentioned, highly contested topic. Siyempre, kapag about martial law, talagang ang charge ng conversations, di ba? Totoo yan kasi talagang we are dealing with a period in our past na ang dami pang buhay na nakarana. So talagang delicate and in many ways political talaga ang discussion about how we remember this period. Totoo, no? Lalo pa ngayon na nakita natin in recent years, talagang merong surge ng massive campaign, I dare say, to really paint the picture of the martial law as a golden age. Owing, on the one hand, sa vice presidential bid ni Bongbong Marcos noong 2016 elections, kung saan, syempre, naging topic of discussion ang identity niya bilang Marcos. Yes, at syempre, kahit hindi siya nanalo, nagpatuloy yung conversations about historical revisionism, lalo na nung nag-reach to ng major inflection point noong November 2016, nang ilipat ang remains ni Ferdinand Marcos sa libingan ng mga bayan. At talagang naging matinding nga yung event na yan to the point na nagkaroon ng widespread demonstrations at nag-resign pa yung mismong chair ng NHCPO ng National Historical Commission of the Philippines, si Professor Maria Serena Jocno. At actually, sa open letter nga niya noon, sinabi niya na, uh, I quote, At this moment in our history, every voice counts, and I wish to place mine on the side of history. Not the history that the Duterte government ignores, but the history that beckons our people to demand justice. End quote. O, diba? Iyon talaga natin makikita yung malaking papel ng history sa lipunan natin. Totoo yan. And as mentioned in our introduction, Ferdinand Marcos himself was not remiss of the role of history as an important chronicler and judge of past administrations. In fact, sa isang niyang diary entry noong October 1970, may ganito siyang reflection. I often wonder what will I be remembered in history for? Scholar? Military hero? Builder? The new constitution? Reorganization of government? Uniter of the variant and antagonistic elements of our people. He brought light to our dark country. Strong rallying point or a weak tyrant? Oh, di ba? Dito natin makikita yung awareness niya, di ba? Oh, dito mo din makikita yung relationship ng power at memory in many ways. Sabi nga sa title ng isang paper ni Dr. Maris Jokno na Power of Memory, Memory of Power. 
Very nice title. At talaga namang may tunggalian at politika sa alaala at sa kung paano naaalala yung nasa kapangyarihan lalo na. Agree. No? Kaya nga, ako talagang kapag may conversation about Filipinos being, for example, madaling makalimot, may mga ganyang claim, di ba? I, I try to reframe it na hindi madaling makalimot ng mga Pilipino. Hindi siya usapin ng paglimot, kundi para sa akin, mas usapin siya ng pag-alala. Diba? Ano ang pinipiling alalahanin at itampok at ano ang naitatago in the process? Naitatago o nababaluktot. Yup. And the advent of the internet really made it so much more complex with the many videos and information about martial law na talaga namang readily accessible sa kahit na sinong internet user. Dagdag pa dyan, yung echo chambers na nabubuo sa ating social media dahil na rin sa algorithms. And we know why this content is very much popular kasi we know how people are very much attracted to the controversial, very much attracted to the scandalous, the, the wildly uh, fantastical versions of the past. Pero in this episode, we even go further back and try to see how the Marcos regime and Marcos himself sought to use history to his gain. So ngayon, let's go into this historical project that Marcos embarked on. The Tadhana Project. Okay, so ano ba tong Tadhana Project? So this grand project of writing a history of the Philippines in multiple volumes was supposedly inspired uh, by British Prime Minister Winston Churchill na naglaunch rin ng similar endeavor. So sa Tadhana, Marcos sought to have a multi-volume set of books about Philippine history written under his name. So kumbaga, he would appear to be the author. Bonga. And in this project, he tapped the then top-notch historians of the time at marami sa kanila ay faculty members ng Department of History ng University of the Philippines. Boom! Yan yung unang point ng controversy dito. Ano? Kasi nga, mm-hmm. UP was the bastion of activism. So, sobrang scandalized ang napakarami when it became known that some academics from UP became part of the project. Ito na naman yung isang aspect ng complexity ng history ng UP with martial law. Aside from the fact na si Marcos mismo ay UP graduate. Ayun. So, so malaking project talaga to kasi it is said that there was a budget allocation of 10 million pesos. So, around 800 million yun supposedly ngayon kung tama yung inflation calculator na nakita ko pero di ba ganun yung scale di ba so sa nagsimula tong ganitong penchant ni Marcos for history and the way his administration would be remembered so after declaring martial law an important element in the justification for its establishment was the goal uh, of establishing the Bagong Lipunan, di ba? Napag-usapan na natin to sa previous episode. So, part of this project of Bagong Lipunan or New Society ay paglalabas ni Marcos ng mga papers authored by intellectuals, as many would say, pero under his name, gaya ng isang uh, essay titled Today's Revolution, Democracy. In this piece, Marcos's goal was to frame his regime as a revolution and to place himself as the heir of what historian Reynaldo Eleto dubbed as the unfinished revolution of 1898. So by doing so, Marcos not only branded himself as revolutionary, but also seized the revolutionary trope 
from the radical opposition. Exactly. So, meron siyang sarili niyang version ng revolution being touted by his most organized and the strongest opposition at this period. O, diba? So, yung Tadhana, Tadhana Project, was a step further in this project. So, it started in 1974 at katulad ng nabanggit natin, uh, part ng project ang ilang historians mula sa UP. Kasi Marcos wanted to have Tadhana written because he feared and distrusted historians. During his first term, he said that he thought it was necessary to correct the negative portrayal that is bestowed on him by the academe and the mass media alike. Tadhana was meant to be used by Marcos to explain himself you know, to the future generations who would study his presidency long after he's gone. At dahil siyempre yung mga historians ng UP ang kanyang hinire, malaki ang expectations. And we're not saying this just because we're also graduates of UP, but it's only logical that the president of the Philippines would tap the government's main university or national the state university. Yeah, national university or mm. state university. Ang plano ay magkakaroon nga ng account ng Philippine history mula 300 million BCE hanggang sa martial law na kasalukuyan noon. The plan was for a 19-volume set. So kung na-imagine, hindi ko alam kung na-imagine pa ng mga kabataan ngayon yung encyclopedia. Kasi nung mga encyclopedia panahon Britannica. na to, <laughs> Yeah, encyclopedia kasi yung thing nung panahon na to eh. So the more volumes, mm. the more expansive, isang set mo bibilhin yan, and so on. <laughs> display. Yeah, it display sa bahay. Wala pa kasing mm-hmm. internet noon, mga bata. Mm-hmm. Pero sa planong ito, yung 19 set na yan, hindi nag-materialize. Ang nag-materialize lang dyan ay yung three volumes. The first three volumes. These are volume one, which tackled the evolution of the Philippine island world. Volume two, part one, which covered the world in the 1500s and the early encounters with the Europeans. And volume two, part two, which covered most of the Spanish colonial period. Grabe no, big budget. Big expectations din talaga. So yung isang mapapansin sa historiography ng Tadhana, ang laki ng emphasis na binigay sa pre-colonial period to offset having colonialism as the anchor sa pagsulat ng kasaysayan. So ang makikita sa periodization, Tadhana gave due emphasis to the ancient Philippine history that had been developing long before the 16th century. So Tadhana was nationalist and argued for the greatness of our Filipino civilization. So Tadhana, or in English destiny, narrated how the Filipino people had a higher purpose and that its society, battered by periods of colonization, was destined to reach greatness and become the new society. So, through a kind of uh, no-nonsense historicizing of our greatness as a people, Marcos attempted to inject his regime as the logical and historical next step. Ah, big budget, big expectations, big claims. Diba? So, mm. kaya lang, the project was never completed. You know, the historians who worked on the project claimed that they finished the manuscript and submitted it to the Malacanang. However, When Marcos was ousted through the Edsa People Power in 1986, uh, what remained of the 19-volume work was never found until today. So, though some copies of the few volumes published, yung mga nabanggit kanina, uh, are still sold or auctioned at present. Minsan, may mga matachambahan mo yan sa mga thrift bookshop. A ano. uh, few people knew of this project and did little to nothing in ensuring that history would be kind to Marcos and his dictatorship. Yeah, sometimes mapapaisip ka rin eh, no? Dun sa, sa laman ng mga manuscript. 
diba? na natapos ng mga historians. True, I think this Tadhana project was really a testament to how politically savvy si Marcos. Kasi he knew that he needed to leave an imprint of his legacy kahit sa pagsusulat ng history ng bansa. And that's actually unusual. Konting politiko lang yung may pake on how history would mm. judge them. Right? So, wala silang mm. masyadong pake dyan, but Marcos had that kind of, you know, of consciousness. Pero, actually, hindi naman ito unique sa kanya at hindi ito unique sa Pilipinas. In fact, sa Indonesia, halimbawa, uh, nagkaroon din ng ganitong state-sponsored project na tinawag na Sejara Nasional Indonesia noong time naman ni President Suharto. Yes, at talagang sa case na ito, makikita natin yung dynamics ng power at knowledge. Sa libro nga ni Romel Coraming na Power and Knowledge in Southeast Asia, State and Scholars in Indonesia and the Philippines, ito ang subject ng kanyang research. Yung history and politics ng state-sponsored projects na tadhana at yun ngang SNI sa Indonesia. True, baka di tayo matapos kung tatalakayin natin yung book na yan, which is actually very good. Pero we recommend uh, to our readers, kung gusto nyo ng mas malalim na discussion, basahin nyo, ano, lalo na sa usapin ng agency ng academics. O nga, kasi baka naman minsan, di ba, maisip na outright na nako-opt ang akademya ng kapangyarihan at pera, di ba? Pero, uh, paano natin titignan yung usapin ng agency resistance, tsaka collusion, di ba? So, itong Tadhana Project na to, hindi lang siya simpleng government project nung time ni Marcos. Uh, it was actually an attempt to, as Lee mentioned, to build a legacy and in many ways direct the course of history. Alright, so I think it's quite plain to see that the Tadhana Project reveals how history, historical knowledge, and historical research are themselves political owing to the impact that history has in shaping conversations about legacies and experiences of past administrations in particular and our national past in general. It also shows how memory and how we remember certain portions of our past could be influenced if not outright manipulated by powerful sectors of our society. So, hindi lang ito confined to political in terms of the administrations in power, but also the larger context of power relations between those of power, the elite, and those that do not. Uh, yeah, and as much as intellectuals try to avoid political conversations, they are not completely immune or insulated from these power dynamics because intellectuals themselves have their own set of biases, motivations, contexts, etc. Kaya talagang napakomplicated at totoo yung there is only one past but many histories kasi yung mismong pag-usulat ng histories na available sa atin ay kailangan nating tingnan in terms of motivations behind them and of course the long-standing impact that they could uh, affect. Sa usapin ng martial law, napakahalaga lalo nito, lalo pa nga na andami pang buhay at nagkakaroon madalas ng clash between historical accounts and individual experiences or memories. Dito nagiging complex ang discussion ng collective memory kasi sino ba talaga ang magtatakda na tama o mali ang alaala, di ba? Lalo na kung buhay pa ang taong nagsasabi na iba ang karanasan niya sa sinasabi ng libro. Totoo. At dyan nga papasok yung usapin at tension na nakikita natin ngayon. Lalo na sa social media, di ba? Sasabihin sa inyo, ah, hindi pa kayo buhay noon. Ako, naranasan ko yung martial law. 
Kaya napakahalaga nung broader perspectives na hindi ibig sabihin, yan ang naranasan mo, yan ay yung naranasan ng lahat. Hmm. Agree. No? So, without invalidating the individual claims ng ilan, kailangan natin palawakin ng conversation na, uh, okay, ganyan ang naranasan mo, pero ito yung karanasan ng iba. And from that, let's have a more meaningful and engaged discussion. And I think malalapat din natin yan sa broader discussion about history. While some historians ngayon ay may claims about martial law, kailangan din natin tignan yung broader scope ng field of research about the period. Tignan yung sources na ginamit at doon makikita natin at makabubuo tayo ng pananaw about the historical account of martial law. Tama, pero kailangan as academics, we or you know, they should remain cognizant of power dynamics. Dahil nga napaka-political ng paksa ng pagkatak ng naratibo ng nakaraan, lalo na tayong mga historian. And I think that concludes our episode for today. To our listeners, don't forget to follow us on our social media platforms and share your thoughts. Also, hit the subscribe or follow buttons sa Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcast, etc. Next episode, we will talk about representations in history, starting with a discussion about how women were written about in our history. So, abangan nyo yan. Thank you for listening and have a good day.